Welcome to the Mike on Much Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman. I'm here with my friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman, as well as our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Internerica is not here. Long vacation. Yeah, first time in British Columbia for her. Living it up. Yeah, good for her. Mm-hmm. You seem kind of out of it right now, Shane. Oh, I'm so tired. You know what you remind me of? You remind depressed, me of me right? on moving day. Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I was so depressed um, because it was just taking up mm-hmm. my time. And it was something that I had no interest in doing. Not, not to say you have no interest yeah. in doing it, but um, the day we finished moving, we I dropped Lauren off at her parents' house, and yeah. I was like really tired. I just popped in to say hello, and then Lauren told me a few days later, she's like, "My mom says she's never seen you like that. She says I've never seen Max look so sad and tired and depressed." Yeah, and that's like what you look like right now. Boxes and stuff yeah. it gets into your pores. Mm-hmm. And then I, I have to go to uh, Vegas tomorrow. Yeah. Why are you going to Vegas? Mom convention? Just vacation. What? That doesn't make it. I don't believe you. I swear. We're bringing the baby and everything. Just the three of you guys. No, no. Uh, my father-in-law is going to kind of babysit for us also. Uh-huh. So at nighttime, we can party. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough life, man. But no, like it's like I'm also I'm missing a premiere to this movie that I wanted to see on uh, on Monday. There's the Safdie brothers. They did the movie Good Time. Mm. You know you know that with um, Robert Pattinson. The, the okay. Nuts scored us premiere tickets oh, wow. to uh, the new Adam Sandler like dramatic film. That could be Oscar bait. We don't know. But he yeah. told me it was Tuesday originally, uh, which I could have made. Mm. Uh, but now it's Monday. Yeah. So I'm going to like Adam Sandler is a big idol of mine. He was going to be there. I love the Safdie brothers. So I'm a little down, you know. <laughs> you, you sound like shit too. I know. You look like shit. You sound. Like I know shit. that. I know that. Really I'm not very depressed. Any good energy to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Uh, we'll pip it up. We'll get through it. Pip it up. Pep it up. Pep it up. Pep yeah. it up. We'll find it. We'll find it. So a couple things going on. Have you recovered yet from moving day, Max? Yeah, I'm in a much better space. I feel like you are. Yeah, I feel way better now. And Shane, do you think that you'll be able to rally? I know. I know it's very difficult that you're about to fly to Vegas and have a great vacation with a built-in babysitter. And, uh, and now you guys are going to some big TIFF party tonight. So yes, Shane, that's a good way to start it. Uh, TIFF is happening in the city right now. It's everywhere. You cannot miss it. Uh, it's it's a pretty cool festival. I actually always this is classic me like. Uh, like Danica always kills me on this because it's like I know TIFF is coming we all know TIFF is going to happen in September whatever whatever. it's like people get their tickets they like start working their angles I like don't think about it Mm. and then all of a sudden it's here and I'm like, and people are like, oh, I'm going to this thing, and I'm going to that thing, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like, I, I like things, so I, I just start sending texts to like people like the Nod or my friend, uh, our friend Yorgo, who like is a projectionist, and I'm just like, hey, if uh, any tickets uh, happen to pop up, like I live in the neighborhood, I live by all the theaters, I love movies, they, they usually play after my kids gone to sleep, so just just let me know, and then luckily like through the good graces of our of our friends, like people are like, hey, if you want to do this, if you want to do that, so things have been popping up. Yeah, I think if you were just like had a different life but like lived in Mississauga and just had a normal job but loved movies the same yeah. you'd go out of your way to be like making a schedule of I'd all be the on TIFF it. movies you'd do yeah. yeah you know my dad used to was one of the original TIFF like moviegoers I, like a member like yeah, he, yeah, he signed he did, up yeah and he, he doesn't go that much anymore but he'd go to like four three or four movies a day like he'd basically book off work and this was like I remember as a kid this week in the week in September, he'd like just not be around. He'd be leaving the house at 9 a.m. to go to the movies all day. That's the dream, man. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, Mike also stole my premiere tickets. Mm. So now he's going. It's true. So he's in a dilemma. Now he has to find two other people to bring with him. So if you want to see the Safdie Brothers movie. Uh, Get in line with all of the Mike yeah. yeah. Well, this, this, this is exactly what happened. So the night when I was like, hey, if anything happens, he goes, uh, he goes Sandler premiere, Tuesday night, me, you, Shane. I'm like, sweet. I sent him like that gif of James Brown doing the splits. I'm like, I fucking love movies. I love Sandler. Let's do this. 
all excited later that night. I'm thinking, good crew, me, Shaney, the nut. Mm-hmm. Something's going to happen where we're going to have a story for the pod. Yeah. So even, regardless of the movie, it's just going to be a fun night. Uh, and then and then we got the, the news. Sorry, guys. I screwed up. It's a Monday night, not a Tuesday night. And uh, I felt very bad for Shane. But mm-hmm. then the nut can't go. So then the nut goes, actually, Mike, you're just going to end up with three premiere tickets. So yeah. guy who knew nothing about this movie, really. I sent happened. you the trailer. Well, you knew it existed. You did. didn't know anything about the premiere. I did not care Today enough. I informed you that Adam Sandler will probably be there. I didn't you're know like, that oh, either. he will? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like Adam Sandler. <laughs> That's pretty much exactly that, God. But I have a request of you guys. Hit me. You know, Nick and I are part owners in this bar called Odds in downtown Hamilton, I mentioned on a previous episode, and we just got some merch. And what we want is we're not selling the merch quite yet, or maybe there'll be a few items for sale, like a baseball hat and a t shirt. I'll wear it, that they'll be available <laughs> at the bar. But we want some influencers to wear the odd shirt. I so told you I'd wear it, yeah. So, that's what I'm saying, maybe today's group shot for the pod. Oh, oh I get to keep it, and you get to keep it. Oh, that's awesome! But you have to wear it though. Oh, I'll wear it all the time. Good. Can I have one for my influencer wife? Yeah. Definitely. She's got lots of followers. They'll mm-hmm. wear them in Vegas yeah. this weekend. So it's Tiff. There's a lot of celebrities in town. I yeah. heard Sean Paul is going to be at the E1 party, or at least he confirmed on the RSVP. Give me the light. Give me the light. Pass the road. Yeah. Really? So he might be there. Well, and, but, uh, Shane, you ran into a couple celebrities uh, no. the other day uh, as well. I might have misrepresented myself a little bit. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what I said was I had passed Sean Mendez and Camilo Cabucolo. <laughs> Former podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're, you're in a photo with her somewhere. Yeah, I'm on video with her. I asked her a question before. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, but Thank I was, God you didn't say her name. <laughs> but I, I was walking out of a Starbucks, and then everyone's like, hey, that's Sean Mendez. Oh, my God, look, Sean Mendez is with uh, Camilla. And I was like, what the? And I couldn't. It was, it's like you ever, like, sneeze and, like, um, you know, the snot comes out, but you don't know where the snot is. You're worried. It's like, is it on my shoulder But you know or it's somewhere, somewhere on you that's visible, but yeah. you need like a, to get to a mirror. So it was like that where mm. literally everyone was creating a scene like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And like there was like this wave of people noticing them, mm-hmm. but I couldn't see them. And I was like, maybe I'm just hearing things. Mm. And then I look at my phone and then someone on my Instagram had a video of somewhere I just was. Yeah. So being like Camilla and Sean. So I was like, oh, my God, I just passed them. But I did not actually see them. Would it be yeah. awesome if you're like, remember me? <laughs> that question I asked you. <laughs> yeah, it would have been cool. Yeah, hey, um, I think we've talked about this before. You know, there's like there's some unattainable celebrities out there that in your mind you just think you're like, yeah, they'd probably like me. I mm-hmm. have a pretty good chance. You know, like even though it makes no sense whatsoever. And then there's other unattainable unattainable celebrities out there that you're like, nah, I'd have no chance with them. Mm-hmm. I feel like with Camila Cabello because she liked leather jacket. She actually oh, yeah. tweeted it like. Uh, a couple of years ago when yeah. she was in town. She heard Leather Jacket playing out of some speaker outside of a store or something. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, I like this song. And we got like a bunch of uh, retweets from her fans. And I feel like because she's so nice and endearing, I'd be like, yeah. And she also likes Canadian guys. So I don't know. Just I'm like that all the time. Like um, Tessa Virtue walked in here yeah. the other day. I was like, and you know, I have the theory that only like uh, hotter women like me. <laughs> yeah, we learned <laughs> that on the last, last episode. I yeah. said it after we finished recording, but uh, I've honestly, I've tried to connect with uh, average looking women, but they don't like me. <laughs> but so when, when uh, Tessa Virtue came in, I was like, uh oh, she likes me. I was like, tell her. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was telling Mike, oh, yeah. you know, afterwards, I was like, ah, this is weird. So I'm going to have to turn another one down. Yeah. It's tough being but a it on, it honestly, it, I know it sounds crazy, but like you just told your Camilla thing, yeah, so yeah. I'm feeling inclined to tell it sure, too. Sure. Obviously, you are a celebrity yourself, so well, it's a little bit really different. to her, but yeah. But, uh, yeah, I would say the disparity is kind of similar between Tessa and me and you and Camilla. I would uh, say yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that makes sense. The gap is similar. Gap, yeah. yeah. But I just, uh, anyway, I can relate to you, Max. <laughs> but I, I was going to ask about hall passes. What do you do if your hall pass shows up at this party tonight? <laughs> oh. Do you guys have hall passes with your partners? Mm, no. Um, do you have a hall pass? No, Alex wouldn't have it. Yeah, because she like she has the theory like you could actually get them. Like she's delusional. She thinks, well, I like, mean, she's not wrong the way you describe everything. You I just know, say, like every hot girl seems to like. <laughs> but you, I'm so I'd be worried about that. I, but I I know I'm delusional too. Although I believe my delusions, I also acknowledge that I am delusional. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. All right, let's get to some serious topics. But why why avoid the hall pass question? Oh, uh, <laughs> I think we've only talked about it when it comes to like Lauren's hall passes. I haven't really thrown up. But my you hall being passes. a quasi celeb and a big celeb in Canada, <laughs> quasi insulting. How dare you? Uh, by the way, um, I uh, Mary told a story about getting a teenager to weed uh, my front lawn. Yes. Yeah. She listens to the podcast. We know really? she's been yeah. all over Twitter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if we retweeted that, so I thought it was kind of funny. Anyway, carry on. So you're a, a celeb. Thank you. Does that impede Lauren from approving hall passes? What do you mean impede? Like, what, what, what? does it stop her from wanting you to have a hall pass? Oh, probably. Because in theory, it's attainable for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I suppose so. Like, say your hall pass was Cheryl Crow. Mm. It's not out of the realm of possibility that you could get a date with Cheryl Crow. Mm. Yeah, I just don't broach the subject, to be honest. I think it's not worth it. It's probably a good stay away. Yeah. 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 But she can be like, I'm going to do Leo if I ever meet him. And I'm like, cool, whatever. It's fine. Yeah, be an interesting story, I'm sure. That'd be cool. I'd actually be interested to hear about that. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Go forth. Come back with tales. (laughs) Enjoy your life. Is that an expression? What? Go forth. Come back with tales. I just, I put the two together. They're both, uh, you know, I know. I've never heard it before. I liked it. Okay. All right. Let's get to it. Feel free to use it. Thanks. All right. So let's get into some topics. Yeah. Want to do some topics? Let's do some topics. Okay. So. Uh, we got a couple on here, Maxie, that you sent. But we'll start with uh, Dakota Fanning and Scarlett Johansson. And the reason that those names are kind of uh, connected is because there's been this sort of... Um, loosely connected, by the way. Loosely connected. Yeah. Eh, well, I'm going to get to why yeah. they are, which they really aren't. But uh, there was this backlash with Scarlett Johansson uh, somewhat recently because she has appeared in films. She was going to play, I believe, and please forgive me if I'm getting this wrong, she was going to play a, g- a transgendered person in an upcoming film. Yeah. And so there was a backlash saying, listen, if, if you're going to be playing a transgendered person, why not cast an actual transgendered person in the role? There's plenty of transgendered actors that could do that role, and they're missing out on roles. Etc. 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 So she ended up dropping out of the role. Uh, she was also in a film called uh, The Ghost in the Shell, uh, which is uh, largely sort of based on Asian culture. That's its origins. So to cast sort of like you know white American just felt very whitewashing. Whitewashing is a huge issue uh, on the Twitter sphere and sort of in general. And people's sort of tastes for this have gone way down in the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so Scarlett though sort of pushed back and said, "Listen, I'm an actor. I can play." Like, I should be able to play whoever I want. That's sort of part of being an actor. People did not like hearing that. They're like, you're missing the point about opportunities and people that don't get opportunities when you take these roles, et cetera, et cetera. It's a fascinating conversation. It is. The reason Dakota Fanning's kind of in this conversation is because the other day, someone took a picture of her, I believe, shooting, I don't know if it was in in the streets of Toronto, but she's doing, uh, uh, she's playing, I I believe, an Ethiopian woman. Ethiopian Muslim woman. But she's. But here's the thing. If you actually did, you read the whole piece. Yeah, on I it? did. Yeah. So people saw just a still from this film where she's in 
like she's a Muslim in all of this this garb, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Have I lost my like? Am I in the Matrix?" Somebody tweeted, "They've now cast Dakota Fanning, a white girl playing a Muslim." Mm-hmm. There's so many actors and actresses that could play this role, et cetera, et cetera. Dakota Fanning took to her Instagram and essentially said, "Listen, it's a very thoughtful response." Yeah, she's awesome. like, "This is based on a book. The character I'm playing is a is a, a woman who was born in Britain, a white British woman who ends up uh, over in this country in Africa and gets she, orphaned." orphaned and becomes uh, she's raised a Muslim and then gets deported back to England I suppose and but she's never known that life so she's like I'm not playing somebody of color I'm playing <laughs> she's not playing like an African yeah. she's playing a British person which leads to a bigger con- like then the argument might be like well are we only going to get movies made about Muslims in foreign countries yeah. unless you have a white savior or someone that the white North American audience can connect to? Yeah. Anyway, why did you want to talk about whitewashing and the, and the backlash to it, Maxi? Why did this hit the topics on the pod? Um, well, I just find it's an interesting thing. Well, I, I, I've talked about this uh, Scarlett Johansson thing with the band and you know, and with Lauren as well. About uh, who's allowed to play what roles, and that's an interesting conversation in yeah. itself. So, like for instance, like um, Sean Penn played Harvey Milk. Sean Penn is not a gay guy, but that the role uh, I think was a really important mm-hmm. one, and it was a story that needed to be told. And I'm, and I think the, the and I don't want to speak for the um, the gay community, but I think everybody's happy that 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 his story mm-hmm. was told, and it got the shine that a Sean Penn movie would get. Right. Uh, what if Sean Penn came out and he's like, oh, I got drunk once and made out with a guy in college. Would that help at all? <laughs> I, don't we, I don't think we got to cut that. Why? It's just a conversation, though. Why would you have to cut that part? I'm just wondering. Sure. Because I, I think this issue is more about visual minorities than things you can't really sure. tell about sexuality. Well, and well other I things. will say, though, that there is also a whole thing about straight actors taking gay roles instead of casting gay men in those mm-hmm. roles. It's presumed he's straight. Yeah, well, okay, well, I think the, the question mark that I have in my mind is um, what are instances where, like, this is actually, like, the people who are unhappy with, you know, the status quo, um, when is it actually something that's, like, a widespread feeling and that really truly needs to be changed? And when is it just a couple people on Twitter commenting about it? A vocal minority. A, a vocal minority. Sure. And, and I think those things probably should be considered just when we're navigating like progress if that makes sense and um so mike pesca who hosts the gist uh, who's one of my favorite uh podcasters he he just tweeted an article uh on nbcnews.com it says jennifer aniston's dark skin tone this is the headline of the article on a magazine cover prompts criticism of InStyle. so there's a, a cover of jennifer Aniston. I saw this today you mm-hmm. saw this and they've darkened her skin they've so darkened she her essentially skin. like she 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 doesn't look like Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, Let me see. she kind of looks like Jennifer Aniston to me. Well, I, the fun, the mm-hmm. tweet I saw was like, and they said that they never, mm-hmm. there was never any black people on Friends. Oh, sure. To me, she looks like Cheryl Swoops. See, so that's that's the thing. Mm-hmm. That's a WNBA player. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, so what did Pesca say? Well, Pesca just said the sum total of the quote criticism cited in this article is one Instagram user. Literally, a single Instagram user criticized it. NBC cited it in the subhead and then quoted the same random person in the body of the article, and that, ah. and that was it. So anyway, and oh, I, I see what you're getting at. Yeah, so you're so, saying this news cycle was started by one person who had an issue with the shade of the color from the Photoshop. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and someone at NBC. Put together amplified the piece. that amplified one the voice. voice and by the way sometimes you need a renegade uh journalist to be like to, to bring an important thing to light right like totally but then sometimes you're like 
Is this just one person that seems to be upset about it or wants to be kind of nitpicky where 99% of the population literally has no problem with it? Or, or is it actually a bigger problem? And I, I related back to what we were talking about earlier with Shane. When I was like, Shane, we're going to have to cut out. Or you sounded crazy about talking about this thing. There's something about your spiel at the end of the last episode where you're like, hot women love me. Where I'm like, I don't know exactly what the problem is, but I wonder if if like that could lead to... Like we're not big enough that there'd be like headlines about something you said, mm-hmm. but like that could lead to us having to have a like a larger conversation mm-hmm. about something. And 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 it's just I some I just find I can't necessarily predict mm-hmm. when things are going to be like actually like oh this is a widespread feeling that like needs mm-hmm. to be addressed or literally this is just like a couple people that want to really think about this issue and seem to get worked up about it a little bit and where and ninety eight percent of the population goes. Uh, what I, I don't really care I'm gonna carry on my day and I also can't affect who likes me sure you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> so it's like this is just in my experience women that are nines like well my wife's a 10 but I mean the others were nines I keeps getting better as yeah. I age uh no we get uh um, the women that like me are like fine wines yeah <laughs> Um, they get better as I age. <laughs> Blue lobsters are really hitting us right now, guys. Um, yeah, it's a you know it's a fascinating conversation because I, I know where you're coming from right now. You're saying like, who's driving the conversation of our society right now? And and, and by the way, I don't I don't ever want to discount the people that are on the cutting edge of like kind of cutting edge of yeah. progress is the people that are like, no, no, this is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. There's, there's something happening under the surface that is actually nefarious and not good and marginalizes people. It's like, and we need to address that. And, and so when we're talking about like roles in Hollywood, like yeah. when people are going, no, 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 Scarlett Johansson should be playing, or we should make sure that someone who's actually transgender is playing that role. But but then yeah, I think in a larger context where it comes from because I'm I'm like like I always try I'm I'm fascinated by like the pulse of like sort of people as a whole like what is it like are we angry or do we have an angst like where does this come from like why would it matter to somebody if Scarlett Johansson gets a transgendered role that a transgender person could play so I, I ask myself why does that matter and I go okay I'm like. I get why it would matter to a certain section of people, so they'll say it. And then I go, but why does it catch fire? Like, why do enough people go, yeah, you know what, that, mm-hmm. that is kind of fucked up. Like, if there's transgendered actors available, why is Scarlett Johansson getting it? Now, I could give you a business answer. I could say, well, Scarlett Johansson opens a film. She's actually, if you just want to cut down to sort of like the economics of it, and the reason people make films is to make movies, and Scarlett Johansson is a star who can open a film. Or to make money. To make money. Yeah. So that's one answer. That's like a sort of ice-cold sort of monetary answer. Yeah. But the reason that people get so upset, to your question, Max, I think is because, and maybe I'm wrong, I don't know, is because people are tired of things being unfair. Mm-hmm. Life is incredibly unfair. And so I think they're tired of just, if it's like things are inequitable or things are like sort of like, wait, why did that person get that and that person didn't? They mm-hmm. want to get to the root of why it's happening and then try to correct it. Because all we do is go through life seeing somebody get a promotion that maybe they we think doesn't deserve it. Or somebody in your class in school is getting attention that you're like, why does that person get attention? Like so many people sort of are, are feeling like, wait a second, this system is rigged. And all the same people keep getting 
this small amount of opportunities, how do we open it up, you know? And I think that's why people relate to when people get angry and they're like, wait a second, like, what about us? Because the us, I think, is a lot larger than the Scarlett Johansons of the world. Yeah, and and the other thing that the internet seems to do is that it throws everything in one category. Because I and I did this. I was like, okay, Dakota Johnson, Dakota Fanning and Scarlett Johansson, we kind of throw them in the same category of like... You're throwing the Dakotas in the same category. Yeah. Johnson and Fanning. But then you go... Okay, the, the, the Scarlett Johansson one maybe seems a little offside. The Dakota Fanning one seems a little more reasonable. I guess it was based on a book that did very well, that people seem to like that book. But but then there's that extra question. It's like, you know, if you're going to make a movie about Ethiopia, period, shouldn't it start with <laughs> black people, not a, a white American? Yeah, are those stories not as interesting unless you have a white lead? Yeah. And, and, and by the way, there's, like, I don't know the answer empirically to that question because some people would say, well, no, because... Like, if we're trying to sell stuff in North America, this stuff sells, we have evidence. But then other people would say, well, you don't even know. People also used to say that black people couldn't open films. Mm-hmm. and then Or like a, like a, like a, 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 a black female-led film, and then Girls Trip does gangbusters, then they imitate a bunch of gang- Girls Trip. And they're like, they never even tried before. You know, like Tyler Perry has a whole industry where people were like, yeah, we don't really want to do these kinds of movies. because they, they kill. And they kill. Yeah. Uh, R-rated female comedy and Bridesmaids, right? Like, people are like, I don't know if we can make a raunchy... And then it's like someone does it well, and it's like, oh, it's not about whether it's like a man or woman or black or white or gay or straight or Asian or whatever, because look at Crazy Rich Asians. If it's good, it will do Mm -hmm. well. And so the people making the choices at the top, which is this more visceral thing, it's like, give opportunities for everybody to make these films because maybe they can make really quality films. And by the way, they're going to make shitty films for a bit. Like, white... Dudes have been making shitty films for literally <laughs> 70, like, you know, 100 years. Yeah. And they got really good at it by the time. So it's like, well, of course, some of these comedies are going to be better. But it's like, let's make a couple of shows. And now, again, I'm, this isn't my voice necessarily. I'm saying what I think the sort of temperature that, mm-hmm. that I'm taking is. But I could be wrong. I could be misreading everything. Well, the Dakota one, it's it's easy because a, a lot of Ethiopian Ethiopian actresses were probably hired for that role, just not as the lead. And she's playing the the story that happened. It sounds like a very interesting story, but I wouldn't be picking on this movie as the movie that's not representing Ethiopian actresses. I think this is a movie that's probably helping that. They picked that, the wrong fight. That cause. This was yeah. the wrong like tree to try and cut down. Mm-hmm. And Tyler Perry plays a woman in a lot of he his does, movies. He does a lot of... Uh, For yeah. comedic effect. What's the point you're making? Well, they should hire a woman, maybe. Oh. That that's a, well, that's an interesting counter. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like if, if we're anyway. That being said, it's like then we're getting into the heart of sort of comedy and like can somebody dress up and drag for laughs? And, sure, sure, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, it's interesting. I feel I feel like there's this. Um, I feel like I'm sensing this thing in you that where you're getting a little bit more cranky these days, Max. About, really? About about the about sort of like the force of the voices that are sort of moving the narrative or like driving the news cycle. Yeah. I mean, I'd say my concern is like, you know, my heroes and idols are people who, you know, push forward and, you know, fight for equality and, and do the right thing. And sometimes uh, I worry that it's not going about, it's not going about in the right way. And so sometimes when there's overreach, it's like, oh, we took two steps forward and now we're taking three steps back or whatever. whatever. And so I just um, in the enthusiasm and the zeal of people fighting the good fight, sometimes, you know, we shoot ourselves in the foot a little bit. And I just want to just make sure that it's like we're not that that we're building bridges as opposed to taking people down. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes I feel like the back like the Twitter backlash can be 
um, impedes progress. Impedes progress, number one, and is somewhat mean-spirited, number mm-hmm. two. And by the way, it, I I totally acknowledge I'm a white privileged dude, so like, just just if as a pragmatist, I just think think about that angle a little bit. We're like, okay, how do we truly move the ball forward? Mm-hmm. And, and, is- and by the way, as Nick Dyke and our band would say, sometimes you got to burn it down. Sometimes you got to make enemies. Sometimes you know heads will roll to get progress, and that's not necessarily my first instinct but i also totally respect that too and 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 the heads will roll it's like you know what sure we misstepped a little bit maybe with dakota fanning but whatever like we need to be on the ball and we got to be holding people accountable and i appreciate that too but i feel like i don't know any asian actresses besides lucy Liu. i couldn't name another one in the world and it feels like ghost in the shell might be a great opportunity for someone to star in a movie like that. And those opportunities are few and far between. So Scarlett Johansson, everybody knows, like she she has a million opportunities to do any film. It just doesn't feel like that film needs to star her. Sure. And The Ghost in the Shell was uh, an established, like... Franchise, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Or so not it, franchise. It was, so it, was it didn't necessarily need a big star to sell that movie. Yeah. Like Oh, and by the way, I'm not defending Scarlett Johansson at all. Like, uh, it was more just like a general yeah. uh, thought. But I'm just saying it, it's it could be warranted just because I don't know any transgendered actresses. Mm-hmm. There's not like there's the one from Laverne uh, Cox. From yeah, Orange that that's Rock. the one I was yeah. just gonna say. But there's not any really besides. Um, I'm blanking on her name, but the from Euphoria. Mm-hmm. Right, but that's what I mean. It, the name doesn't come to mind. You're totally easy. right. Yep. It's like Eddie Murphy. I was watching an interview where he said they let one black guy in at a time, sure. or they let one main Asian actress in, or one transgender. They can person. only let one hold yeah. that spot, the fame spot. In so Hollywood. if we can name the one, it's like there's plenty. There's yeah. Laverne Cox and you know the well, Euphoria well, one. <laughs> well, for 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 Asians, yeah, it was like Constance Wu was like a big one, and then um, Aquafina now has this this huge movie that everyone's talking about, like Oscar buzz. Mm-hmm. But like to your point, but the, I guess I guess but that's what I mean. Lucy Liu's on her way out and, and it opens a spot. Yeah, no offense to Lucy, but I haven't heard anything since like Kill Bill where she was really in a landmark film. Sure. And then Aquafina's in this Oscar buzz film. But I guess that's the reason that there's this sort of swell and this push is it's like, how do we open those spots? Like if Eddie's been talking about how that's been happening since like, you know, the 60s where it's like, well, it's going to be Red Fox or J.J. Walker and then it's going to be Bill Cosby or and then Sidney Poitier gets to be the and yeah. then it's Denzel Washington and it's like, and it's like if Eddie's been talking about it for the last whatever it's been happening for 60 years, it's like how do you get past that? But, but here's the way to create a public outcry in a way where companies are scared to do it because of the public yeah. outcry. So then when an opportunity like Ghost in the Shell comes along, they're like, yeah, I know we think Scarlet uh, is going to create more box office, but let's not do that because it could actually create a negative impact. Mm. So let's actually use this perfect role for someone who's an up and coming Asian actress. There's a fan, there's a story actually who one of our coworkers he just told me so that that film uh, Lethal Weapon it's a cop buddy movie right and so it mm-hmm. stars Mel Gibson and Danny Glover and they have the script and they're casting the film and they're bringing all these people in and then they end up wanting to do Danny Glover who's a black man and I guess some like one of the producers was like well wait like it's it's a white guy and it's like we never said in the script who the role was for mm. like it's like you might be reading it that way because it's the voice in your head oh, wow. and then they end up casting Danny Glover becomes a massive hit they make like six of them but um, it's fascinating because there's actually a new movie out right now uh, and to Shane's point it's like a, a movie like The Ghost in the Shell you don't need Scarlett necessarily because it's going mm. their fans are going to show up regardless of it's Scarlett Johansson but maybe the finances are like well Scarlett will bring non-fans because sure. they'll bring Scarlett fans you know like mm-hmm. whatever gotta sell tickets but there's a film that Emma Thompson wrote with her husband that just came, uh, is coming out in Christmas. It's starring um, 
Amelia Clark who plays uh, Daenerys Targaryen in Game of Thrones, mm. but it's a British rom com in the the sort of vein of any of these movies, like about a boy. Oh yeah, or I think I've seen the commercial. Is she get sick in it at some point? Well, no, she's like, well, maybe. I, I mean, in the trailer, she's she's a very difficult person. I think okay. she was sick at one point. Yeah. This is now she's like very hard to be around. But she ends up sort of like, it's a meet cute. She falls in love with the, the lead. The lead is like a, a, an Asian Brit, I believe. Yeah, I'm blanking right. on his name. But he also starred in that uh, Steven Soderbergh film with uh, Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively. Oh, yeah. It ended up being a really good movie. My brother yeah. recommended it to me. But what I'm saying is it's like he played Blake Lively's husband in that Steven Soderbergh I remember, film. yeah. He's now the the me cute. He's like the guy you traditionally fall in love with. What I think is fascinating with that casting is they could easily cast name hot British British actor. Like it could be Liam Hemsworth in that yeah. role easily, and that's who it traditionally was. I feel like when people speak up and they kind of make these things happen, and people roll their eyes and like, oh, social justice warriors, blah 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 blah. It's like, well, it leads to after sort of like years of being vocal, this guy being cast mm-hmm. in the role, and then people don't think it's weird. They go, yeah, of course she's gonna fall in love with that guy. And what's great is then there's going to be a million sort of like Asian Brits or Asian Americans or Asian Canadians, and they're going to see that guy in the lead. You know, oh, like that's that's me. Totally. And, you know, and that is the argument for the Nick Dykas of the world. And you, you kind of articulated Nick's argument is like sometimes you, you got to fight for stuff and it might be uncomfortable in the moment. But, you know, four years later, that decision is being made and, yeah. and everyone's probably better off for it. Totally. Yeah. Want to keep it moving? Let's keep it moving. All right. So moving on to the next topic, uh, Maxi, do you want to do Lana Del Rey versus the critics? Or what was the other one? I've got it on the list. I'm I so think, bad. Think, and do it. you have any more blue lobster? Yeah, we, uh, <laughs> hold on. Yeah, one sec. <laughs> <laughs> Two. All right. Max is pouring a blue lobster into a glass, giving me the glass. Oh, I get the can. So our next topic is... Guys, I feel, you know, before I get to this next topic, are we getting, like, are our pods getting more loose? I feel like more people are engaging on social media. It feels like we're we're sort of like, uh, people are listening a lot, they're, mm-hmm. they're enjoying spending time with us, but do you feel like we're getting less tight? Is that a good thing? I thought that segment was pretty good. I mean, it's a fine line between, like, how much sort of, like, fucking around are we doing versus how much are we talking as sort of pseudo pop culture experts on things because I feel like our listeners in one ha- on one hand like like hearing about our lives because right. when I listen to a podcast if I'm listening to Tony Kornheiser if I'm listening to Slate Political Gap Fest, I, I like knowing what they're up to but then also I tune in because I want their take on the news of the day sure yeah. so I think it's like riding that that line it's like where you're not doing too much of one or the other so I think we're in a good spot that makes sense yeah does that make sense it makes sense yeah. to me Shaney thoughts well, I'm just always scared when we get into more serious topics that yeah. we could be boring people to death. And they're like, if I wanted to hear informed opinions, I'd read The New Yorker or something. Sure. You know what I mean? But but I feel like some people do like the – let us know if you like the, the, the topics that are a little bit more serious where we have to kind of walk a little bit of a tightrope because we're very aware that we're three white guys um, – Three very privileged white guys, like talking about you know issues of social justice. I'm part Indonesian. Yeah, fair enough. I'm half Jewish. Shane, four uh, percent Jew. <laughs> <laughs> is it really for your ancestry? Yeah, I'm four percent. Right. Okay, man. okay, okay, cool. All right. Well, I, I guess my question is just like, uh, yeah, like I think we need more maybe like fart segments or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that, that's or why sex segment, robot. That's sex why robot. segment three is going to be especially good. Whenever Shane, whatever your Uh-oh. segment is. Okay. I'm in depression mode, man. What? I'm in depression mode. 
depression. depression. That's fine. And maybe it'll be a sad segment. That's okay. fine. But let's keep it moving. Okay. Cool. So this next segment is about Lana Del Rey. Uh, she has a new album coming out. What's it called? Fuck. It just came out. Norman fucking Rockwell. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, and there was a big story. And I mean, this is going to be sort of a segment that we're talking about criticism in general. But this became a story because Ann Powers of NPR, mm-hmm. formerly of the LA Times, Sort of, I don't even know if it was a scathing review. She just she, she reviewed the record and she was critical of it. Yeah. Lana Del Rey obviously read this thing and then got on her, her Twitter and I should be reading it verbatim. But essentially, what would you say the, the sort of the, the vibe of it was like? She just said, "I did not connect to any of your criticism whatsoever." Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like I've never put on a persona and I've given myself to the world ten times over. And how dare you, kind of thing. That's yeah. Sort of yeah. The, uh, so what always happens whenever somebody. Lashes out at a critic. All the critics have come to this this uh, her defense, the critics' defense, being like, "Hey, this is like what criticism is about. You put it out, somebody writes a piece about it." A lot of I think artists are like, "Yeah, like Lana, you're right. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You put it out there. It is what it is." Um, it's a fascinating, which thing. is funny too, though, because this record is besides for that one review, which I never heard of. Everybody loves this record, and I know I went off on Jack Antonoff the other day, but me mostly being jealous of him, mm-hmm. but also saying that his work with Taylor Swift isn't quite as good as I like it to be. I think he did an amazing job on this record because yeah. he worked with her there. But it just makes me think. It's like, I wish I was in L.A. going to parties, meeting Lando Ray, going, hey, I'm going to produce your record. Because that, apparently that's what happened. He was like, she was like, yeah, I just met him at a party. You know, then he was like, let's write a song right now. And then, like, we went back to my place and we wrote a song. And I was like, yeah, this guy's pretty cool. Like, let's do the whole record with him. So if I was living in L.A., guys, that's what I'd be doing. Yeah. Just anyway. Um, back to the topic at hand. <laughs> <laughs> Two blue lobsters yeah, and we man. are getting loose. So, I mean, I, I guess the question is like... Okay, sorry, my question. Yeah. This is why I bring it up. Is what, um, what difference does criticism, especially from the NPRs, the New York Times, uh, the big publications, what, what does that mean in 2019? Uh, for to a creative, it, I think it means a lot. No, no, yeah. Mm-hmm. When it comes to yeah, music specifically, and also movies and television, so those three popular art forms, because um, I find that often there's a disconnect between what a reviewer likes and what actually like does well commercially, and vice versa. And sometimes things are critically lauded and also do really well uh, commercially as well. That's the sweet spot. That, right? that is that is totally mm-hmm. the sweet spot. But but like, and, and, and uh, my question Titanic. Is, yeah, why did that? Did everyone like that critically? Titanic won Best Picture at the Oscars. Oh shit! There you go. And was the highest grossing film of all time until see recently. that that's where you want to be. That is sure. where you want to be. Um, and do you think it's changed? Like you know, in, in 2019 versus 20 years ago. Well, now you just have a million critics, mm-hmm. and if some if someone had a lot of followers and made fun of Lana's album, I'm sure she'd respond to that also. Because, like, no one's more sensitive than a creative person, right? Yeah. So I like the fact that she responded that way. And mm-hmm. she has the right to. Yeah. So nothing's wrong with that. And nothing's wrong with the way uh, the critic critiqued it. Mm-hmm. What I think is interesting, to Max's point, is you see this a lot. Like, something will be 39% of Rotten Tomatoes from the critics. And then it will be 85% from, like, a, whatever you call it, mm-hmm. the fan score. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's like this is kind of the always been the biggest sort of disconnect between critics and the common people. So it's like if an Adam Sandler movie makes one hundred and fifty million dollars. Right. But the critics say, oh, that movie is a huge piece of shit. Who are the critics to say that movie is a huge piece of shit? Because mm-hmm. ultimately a democracy is the people decide and enough people decided we love that mm-hmm. film. Same thing with every Will Ferrell movie that came out in the 2000s, which were massive hits. Yeah. They got killed. 
killed. Critics. So, so at that point, it's like, who are the critics speaking for? Like, are they speaking for the people? Uh, well, mass? they're speaking on behalf of they, they've seen thousands and thousands of films, way more films than anyone else has. Do, do you think you lose some perspective, though, uh, on just like, no, the, how many times have you seen a film that you're like, that was a huge piece of shit. And then two years later, you catch it and you're like, this is actually good. That mm. critic was right. And I was wrong. But now I've gained a little perspective sure. that critics that critic seems a little ahead of their time. Because it's like their brain is so finely tuned to spot the little things that are the little nuances that make a film great. Like a Radiohead song might sure. not feel good on its first listen. The, the, the other thing, though, I'd add to that, I don't disagree with that, mm-hmm. is that the, I'd say that the personality type that is attracted to being a critic is a, is a certain kind of person, generally speaking. And I always think about this with, like, with um, a lot of music critics. There are often guys... Uh, in their late 30s and love the replacements and wear plaid shirts and have beards. And so like any new band that comes out that sounds a little bit like the replacements, like they will love that band. Mm-hmm. And I and it probably similar to the personality type of, a, of many movie reviewers. And yeah. I'm painting with broad strokes here, but it's like they probably went to a liberal arts co- college. They probably grew up upper middle class. They probably, anyway, so they're just a certain kind of person that is a, that mm-hmm. they have a particular set of tastes. Right, it's like a, I guess because yeah, I don't think the guy who likes the replacements has like more refined tastes uh, than the guy who's really into hip hop or the mm-hmm. guy that's really into another kind of rock or pop music necessarily. I know, and, and I think the good reviewers, um, you know, can appreciate a lot of different kinds of things and have like nuanced opinions on a lot of different genres. But I just find sometimes it's like, you know, the other thing I put in our text group about um, the difference between um, the reviews for the Dave Chappelle special mm-hmm. and the difference uh versus the nanette special yeah yeah and do you want to describe that yeah so essentially like if somebody tweeted like a screen grab and nanette which was hannah gadsby uh that film or sorry that stand-up special is like adored it's lauded by critics it's something like 99 percent mm-hmm. on rotten tomatoes 100 percent, 100 percent. and i can't remember what the audience score it's was like 55 or something it was no, low. it's lower than that it it's was like 30 might be in their 30s so yeah. the audience score was like people didn't necessarily connect with it on like a this is a hilarious comment. I don't know why people didn't connect with it on the audience score because it's it's too original. It's revolutionary. Sure. So that's one argument. Mm-hmm. And then the Dave Chappelle special, which has been completely sort of like um, it's been written about ad nauseum. It was very controversial. It was very provocative. Obviously by design. Um, it's sitting at it's it's the exact opposite. Basically, critics were like, this is either him repeating a lot of his past stuff or it's him being provocative for provocative sake. He's using language that is obviously like inappropriate in sight. Yeah. And this is this is just it's stale for him at this point. So it was low uh, critic score, audience score through the roof because yeah. audiences want to love him also. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I tend to agree with those reviews um, like, with the reviews or the audience. I, I tend to agree with the reviewers. Oh, interesting. That Nanette was like totally mind blowing. And the Dave Chappelle thing was like, okay, this has like been done to death, this material. Oh, really? See, yeah. I see. I haven't watched the Nanette special, so I can't Oh, it's amazing. That. It's amazing. Uh, but I love the Chappelle special. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Did you like the, We talked about the Chappelle special. Like, I can understand it. someone laughing out loud very hard at the Chappelle special. Well, yeah. I laughed so much at that Chappelle special. Mike, what do you think of it? Yeah, so, like, is he amazing at what he does? Is Does he have command of the stage, like Shane said? Does he control the crowd? Is he funny? Yeah, he's fucking funny. He's very funny. And some of those bits were, like, really good. And some of the bits are like, why, why is he going? Like, why is he doing this? And it just felt like... 
Okay, like he just he just wants to he wants people to write all the pieces that people wrote after he did the special. Potentially, I can't get in his head. I don't know, but I do know that like probably a lot of the language would be super hurtful if you're in one of those marginalized groups. You know, I think the point I'm I think I've just arrived at uh, based on this topic and the previous one is that I just have some apprehension over like people like that went to Ivy League schools that are on Twitter yeah. dictating the conversation mm-hmm. where it's like if you ask members of the Hispanic community or the black community or any other minority community it's like what they feel it's like you we I, I never hear those voices or as yeah. much as just people from a certain class and that and and oftentimes I I agree with them fully but mm-hmm. I it just makes me like a little uncomfortable just to be like Okay, whatever you said, because you are incredible at using words. You went to debate class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've written a bunch of great fucking essays in university, and you know how to articulate an argument that, that that's the right answer, and that makes me uncomfortable. Uh, but it's easy to dismiss those people on that basis also. No, no I'm not. Yeah. By, by the way, I'm not dismissing it. I say this as someone who agrees with those people mm-hmm. 97% of the time. But it's interesting. You, you read these polls. Where it's like if you would actually pull members of minority communities, they don't even agree with the thing mm-hmm. that the white person is saying in yeah. their defense. So so some like smart liberal arts guy or some Ivy League educated person goes, actually, blah, blah, blah. And then you ask a bunch, a bunch of people from the African, African-American community and they go, what? Mm-hmm. That's not how we feel. I, yeah, the, yeah, that's sort of what I'm getting. But it, it's it's like with with food. It's like I love McDonald's hamburgers. Mm-hmm. I will acknowledge it's not high quality food. So if a food critic was like, "Oh, all these billions of people love McDonald's hamburgers," but actually here is a great, masterful uh, hamburger at this very pretentious restaurant, I'd be like, "Okay, I acknowledge that is probably the superior burger." But me with my tastes, mm. I prefer. McDonald's, even though I acknowledge that's probably the better cut of meat and the better burger overall, if I ever even take the time to acquire a taste for that burger, which yeah. I probably won't. It's like mm-hmm. everyone loves Britney Spears. I'm not a fan of Britney Spears. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not get too comfortable. Oh, I, I know. I'm just podcast. saying people understand it when it's <laughs> music or food easier than sure. when, when we're talking about something like an Adam Sandler film or Dave Chappelle versus Nanette. Sure. Nanette's more. It's it's so different that it's harder to get into, and people are like this. The net special ain't no comedy, mm-hmm. but really, it 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 is comedy, and it's very funny. And I I found it odd that so many people were saying it wasn't even funny. They're like, no, it's just some some woman complaining the entire time. No, it's not that. It's actually it's it, some of the jokes take longer to get to, and they're more based in a serious reality. But it is still funny. I still thought it was comedy, and wasn't just like this one man show. And then, um, what's his name? What's the other guy? Neil Brennan. Yeah. Did three mics. Yeah, that was good. And, and everyone's like, yeah, that one's good, though. That one's comedy. Mm. That one I get. But it's, it's in like the same playground. He, the same he copied Nanette. Like, he yeah. was clearly inspired by that. And he's like, oh, I'm going to do different. I found his even heavier than Nanette in some ways. So it's mm. very interesting. Well, you know, it's funny, though. But, like, to get to this point, it's, like, about people's tastes. Uh, Harry Styles speaks about this kind of Critics are spe- they might know how like a song is supposed to be constructed, whatever that means, or what lyric, what good lyrics are, whatever that means. And like a movie critic might know, well, this is a superior film, and they could explain why it's a superior film, and you know the construct of film and all that stuff. But ultimately, it's like majority rules. So it's like if an Adam Sandler movie makes you laugh, 
it's like who's to tell those people they don't have good taste like like Harry getting back to Harry Styles it's like he always talks about teenage girls he's like there's no pretension if they like something they like something they're the most honest audience it's more it's not to say they don't have good taste just because you like a McDonald's hamburger it's not to say you don't have good taste and you might be like my first beer I thought was disgusting it's saying give this thing a try that you might not normally because if you give it a, a little bit of a closer look you might see the beauty in it and that's all the critics are there for because much like a sommelier or someone who's good with anything that's so has so much spec, uh, specificness to it, specificity to it, um, you might appreciate it a little more. So when I'm drinking wines and someone's telling me it's a great wine, I just chug it down like I would do anything. <laughs> I don't give a shit. But <laughs> after time, if I do it enough, I might ap- begin to appreciate the beauty within it. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. But what about the negative criticism? Because that's what people don't like. It's like I don't want I, I don't want you to tell me why Jonas Brothers album isn't good. Don't tell me my taste is bad. I like it. I like it. But that's why the critic's there. That, that, that's why the job exists. So you can't only just be have like confirmation bias and hear what you want to hear. Right. So, like, but I love that uh, Lana Del Rey fought against it because a true creative, like if I show you an edit at work, right, and I ask you for your advice yeah. and you rip it apart, I'm like, I just wanted you to say it was good. Like, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Like totally. when you show me a song, yeah. part of you, just like, like, yo, you, it's a banger. You want me to be yeah. critical, but you're like, no, just, I know this is amazing. Just tell me what I want to hear. And then after you hear the stuff that kind of hurts you, mm-hmm. you go back and you listen to it again. And you're like, oh, there was a seed of truth into what mm-hmm. that harsh critic said. And I can make it good now. Yeah. It just sucks when you can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. So Shane, surprise, we're here. Oh, oh yeah, Chick Fil A. I just want to talk about. Oh, that. good. <laughs> I mean, I was hoping I was actually going to bring this off up at the top. Yeah, this is about. my like bullshit grab off something you had put in the group, just because I'm not feeling good right now. Um, I had kind of tricked you. I think I, I think you actually believed that I went into Chick Fil A today. Oh yeah, <laughs> because there was, uh, I guess, manager Ash put a photo of a bunch of people protesting outside, mm-hmm. and I had. Uh, said in our group oh i thought it was a lineup for chick-fil-a but yeah. it turns out it was just a bunch of protesters so yeah, i got yeah. my sandwich no problem <laughs> but i in fact did not get where is sandwich. it by the way i don't know okay <laughs> but but i was i was just joking and then i said oh if these people had tasted this sandwich i think they'd change their tune <laughs> but of course like i don't even fully know the backstory i guess the people who own it i'm assuming very religious they're not open on sundays and they've donated a lot of money to causes that are anti-gay right yeah they're homophobes. They're homophobes. So I guess my uh, question to you guys mm-hmm. is, not that I believe even if it was reversed, you'd be honest, but <laughs> would you stop doing something you loved mm. if it was uh, because like somebody was like homophobic? Or like poor racist. taste. Or, I mean, it's like, would you stop yeah. watching Woody Allen movies? Like, there's, there's, I feel like we're addressing a lot of these kinds of questions like in 2019. Let's say all pornography was homophobic. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. But except for gay porn. Well, you make do with what you have. (laughs) (laughs) 